Thank you for listening to the Martinis and the Macabre podcast. This show contains graphic content and explicit language. It is intended for immature adult audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Something adorable happened last weekend. What's that? Well, this guy came in, kind of a, he's a country boy. You can tell by looking at him, he is a country boy. He had cowboy boots on. And um, anyway, so that, they're muddy and he had dirty old Wranglers. I bet they were Wranglers. And <laughs> a John Deere shirt. Like, he was just a country boy. Mm-hmm. And um, coming into your store where you work now, which is on campus with all the Right by campus. Young, hip. Yep, down the road from all the sororities and the fraternities. Yeah. The ones who can't even. Yeah. Pineapple latte. Pumpkin latte. I said pineapple. Pumpkin latte. Ugg boots. <laughs> cracked iPhones. Oh my God, it's fire. Yeah. It's lit. <laughs> yeah. Our nieces were saying it was fire yesterday when they were talking about stuff. I love those girls. <laughs> and he came in he's, and he's like, hey, where's your moonshine? And part of me was like, I knew. I knew you were going to ask that. Where's our, where's our moonshine? <laughs> I said, it's over here. And I showed it to him and everything. He stood there for like 10 minutes. I'm guessing to build up courage. Uh-huh. Because I asked for his ID. He gave me an ID with a shaky hand. That's the first sign. Yeah. It's a shaky hand. <laughs> and won't look you in the eyes. So as soon as he did that, I'm thinking, yep, he's handing me a fake ID. <laughs> and I touched it. And just by touching, I was like, yep. <laughs> this is a fake ID. And I looked at it and I was like, okay. And it you could tell he paid money for it. Yeah, it was good. You showed it to me. Yeah, he, you could tell he it, it was he cost decent. Him some money. Yeah. And um, the thing is, though, like the top part of the Indiana license, for those of you that don't know, the top part of the Indiana license is pink, a pink bar that goes across. And what a lot of Hoosiers don't know, that pink was specifically made for Indiana. That shade of pink does not exist. Ex- what? Yeah, except on Indiana licenses, that shade. How of, does it not exist? It's not. It's it, you can't replicate it. People have tried. I can show you so many IDs. They're always off by just a hint. They never quite get that pink. And I call bullshit on that. There has to be a replication of that pink. I'm, I'm saying what the excise police told me. They I'm said, making a fake ID tomorrow. Okay, the pink ain't gonna match. So fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> fuck your pink. And if you hold it under an LED, or not LED, if you hold it under a black light. Um, your name is on there that shows up, your birthday shows up, another picture of you is on there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but usually the one thing that gives it away is, uh, the Indiana hologram. Every state has its own hologram pertaining to its own state. Um, ours says Indiana has a cardinal on it. Um, that usually is a dead giveaway, but this one didn't have, it didn't light up the picture. I mean, it didn't light the picture, the name or the ID. So I said, Do you actually have a black light yes. back there. Yeah. Uh, like a pin light. You just tap the bottom mm-hmm. of it like a clicker and it turns it on. Um, helps with uh, $50 bills too. See if they're fake. And so I said, I said all right, I said, uh, this is the point in the conversation where I look you in the eyes and ask you, did you just hand me a fake ID? So did you just hand me a fake ID? <laughs> and he said, he said, no, 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 it's real. I said, you, you're going to go with that? <laughs> is that your final answer? Is this what we're sticking with? <laughs> I said, this is, I was like, this is your chance. I said, this is your chance for some integrity. Just tell me. Is this a fake ID? I said, I know the answer. I just want you to say it. I want it. you to tell me I just the want answer. you to say it. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, yeah, it's fake. Uh, I said, okay. So um, here's what's going to happen next. I said, first off, hats off to you. You did something I would not have done. Um, I did not have the, the, that those kind of balls. <laughs> I would have just paid somebody who was 21, a buddy yeah. of mine, to go get a six-pack and keep the change. You know what I mean? And he went for moonshine. He went for moonshine. He went for gusto. And he didn't even go for flavor. He went for straight moonshine. Oh, damn. Yeah. I said, so um, you're going to have to leave. And I said, stay out and don't come back until you're of age. I said, listen, because I'm a nice guy. Listeners at home or in your office or in taking a shit. Or in your car. Whatever. Wherever. I'm actually a really, really nice, fair person. And I told him, I was like... Pretty level-headed. Yeah. And I told him, look, 
come back on your 21st birthday. I'll buy you your first beer. Is that fair? And he's like, yes. He said, but I'll probably never come back here. I said, or don't ever come back here. I said, whichever one. I don't care. <laughs> and he was like, just please, just please don't, please don't call the cops. And or? Then, or my mom. <laughs> Or my mom. And I was like, oh. My head. I'm like, oh. So how old do you think he was? Uh, maybe 19. He's a big guy. <laughs> he could have passed if it just, if they just a little more work on the ID. He he would have he got me. Yeah, it was pretty good. It, was, pretty it good. was the best one I've seen that you've shown me. And um, I was like, I said, listen. I said, we've all been there. We've all been dumb when we were kids. We're all, we've all done stupid shit. We have. I said, I'm not going to call the cops. He said, thank you. I said, but... I'm going to call your mom. Call- <laughs> <laughs> no. Like, like, like principal's office or something, you know, like you call your mother right here on the phone. <laughs> no, uh, I said, but if Indiana state excise comes in and says that they need my IDs, I'm going to surrender your ID. I said, so with as bogus as your ID is right now, I really hope the information you decided to put on this ID isn't is bogus as well. I, I hope this isn't your real address. He went, <sighs> I'm like, this is your real ad. I was like, dude. I said, okay. I said, if they, if I have to turn over, they're gonna, they're gonna contact you, and you're gonna have to explain some stuff. Mm-hmm. And you're young, so you're gonna have to explain it in front of your mother. So you're gonna have that too. And he's like, I understand. I'm really sorry. I said, it's okay. It's okay. I said, but for now, get the fuck out of my store. <laughs> And he left. <laughs> That's great. Uh, Poor guy. I know. <laughs> and it looked really good, but you could tell even the font, like you pointed out, the font was just, just a, a little, little bit off. A little bit off. A little bit off. So, it actually looked like a sticker pasted it might have been, on the plastic. It might have been a print off sticker, but what's funny is like now he's going to spend the next couple years, every time he sees a cop get behind him at a t- traffic light, he's going to be like, they're here. Yeah. They're <laughs> they here found out. <laughs> they know. <laughs> Jigs up, man. Game over. (laughs) All right, guys. Welcome to Martinis and the Macabre, the podcast where we drunkenly discuss morbid murders, mysteries, and mayhem, and fake IDs. My name is Erica. I'm your host this evening, joined by my husband and co-host, Billy, the finder of fake IDs. I'm the truth seeker. He's the truth seeker. One person came in years ago. He was like 6'5", blonde hair, curly blonde hair, blue eyes pale as hell and, and he, i said he was a black man no he <laughs> handed over some whack whack ass fucking id that said he was a part of the living tribe of the water dew or some shit like that what yeah and what's that i was like what the fuck i looked at i was like what the fuck is this and he was like i'm native american i was like are you though <laughs> you got all the recessive genes is that what it is yeah i, I was like okay i tell you what dances with wolves you're gonna have to get your fire <laughs> water you have to get your fire water somewhere else <laughs> your wampum's no good here <laughs> Ooh, that's good stuff we did have we did have a black lady come in with a white woman's id trying she got mad about it too really that's me i'm just light-skinned i was like you light-skinned that day <laughs> How, what the fuck are you talking about didn't look anything alike. Was, what? I don't know. You got to really want it to do that. Yeah, evidently. I just you pay must... somebody who's over 21. Yeah. So easy. Find someone. They'd be like, okay, just don't tell anyone I bought you liquor. Yeah. It's yeah. not that difficult. We have such a meth problem. All you got to do is just go outside to the back of the building and find somebody on meth. Yeah. Like, here's 20. Get me a six pack. Keep the rest. Yeah. There you go. They'll do it. <laughs> All right, guys. So once again, welcome to the show. And uh, we've got a really nasty guy to talk about this week. He's a serial killer by the name of Carol Edward Cole. If your first name is Carol and you're a man, you're a serial killer. Yes. Unless you're listening to this and your name is Carol and you're a man. Dude, you're awesome. He he is a dude named Carol. And of course, since I use three names, you know he has to be a serial three killer. Three first names. Yeah, Carol Edward Cole. Yep. Which he would later go by Eddie, but for the sake of this, we're going to refer to him as Carol because it plays a big part in why he got so fucked up in the head, as you can imagine. (laughs) He killed at least, at least 15 women and one boy, but possibly killed up to 35 across the Western United States. Many of his murders were written off as accidents, 
which allowed him to continue killing without being caught for over 30 years. So let's jump into Cole's early life before he committed his first murder at the age of eight. Yep. Eight. Babies having babies, killing other babies. I don't know. I don't yeah, know what you say that. You heard it right. Carol Edward Cole was born in Sioux City, Iowa on May 9th, 1938. To Laverne and Vesta Cole. Laverne yeah, a whole bunch of weird names going being on. his father. Yeah. So they must have had a thing with feminine names for the males in this family. That's okay. Laverne. Because, I mean, I could see it maybe being male, but I always think of Laverne and Shirley. Me too. Yeah. yeah awesome Pfeffer Incorporated. Woo. Yeah. Wait, 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 what you said. Yeah. I was, I was more of a night court kid. Right. I, I watched them all. <laughs> but I think of female when Laverne yeah. comes up. You know what late night show I never liked? Hmm. MASH. Couldn't, no. Couldn't get into it. No. Nope. Not get into it. Not our era. Mom and dad loved it. Yeah. So did my dad. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those things where it's like, smash is on. I'm like, so the fuck what? Yeah. It gives a shit. <laughs> and speaking of dads, happy Father's Day. Thank It'll be you. late when you oh, guys hear this. Oh. <laughs> I've already told you happy Father's Day. Yeah. So it is Father's Day when we're recording this. I am day drunk. Billy's on his way there. <laughs> Day drinker. <laughs> we were going to record yesterday, but uh, Billy's sister had her baby shower yesterday. So I Yay. was in attendance and unable to record. And, and uh, we got a massive thunderstorm last night. Yeah, which we had four tornadoes. Four? In Indiana, yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So we figured that would be pretty bad audio if you heard thunder and rain and all that jazz. Which is crazy because it wasn't about quality of, or like of life. It was about... The quality of the sound. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like... You're like, we're going to have to stop if it gets really yeah, bad and the, the rain's hitting off. The rain's hitting the windows. This is going to sound bad. Yeah. Not like, we're going to need to go to the we center point of the house. Yeah. No, warning was, saying, get to the lowest level in the center of the house. And we're like, we can't put this out. Sounds, this is going to sound bad. Sounds going to be awful. <laughs> so believe it or not, as crappy as our sound quality is, we do take care to try and make it sound as good as possible. Take pride in our crappy sound we quality. Just, we need to get a mixer and a couple microphones and figure out how to use that shit, and then we'll be we'll be good. Fuck hyphen, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so Carol Laverne. Huh? Laverne. <laughs> Laverne, yes. Laverne and Vesta were his parents, and he was their second child, another boy, and they then had a little girl the next year. Is a little girl named Steve? I do not know the little girl's name. No. 1939 was a busy year for the family. The daughter was born and then they moved to Richmond, California, so Laverne could work in a shipyard. But Laverne was suddenly drafted to go fight in World War II at the end of the year, leaving Vesta to raise the three children on her own for several years. So, it was probably pretty rough for her. Yeah. It's not like you had direct deposit back then and your husband's war money went into your account. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you kind of had to fend for yourself and your three kids. See, it's like you talking about when we were back at Fort Carson. You're like, yeah, we were pretty poor. We were. But, like, we had it pretty good. Not that poor. <laughs> we, weren't, we weren't, like, Korean War, World War Two poor yeah. as far as a soldier's wife goes. Our so. first Christmas when you were in the military was a little fiber optic tree in the corner mm -hmm. with no presents under it. <laughs> We had each other. We did. Uh, okay. So, yeah, Vesta was left to care for the three children. And Carol would later recall one of his earliest memories from 1943 when he was about five. His mother took him to an apartment of someone he didn't know. She left him in the parlor with a bunch of strangers while she went and had drunken sex with soldiers. It's not clear if this was for business or pleasure, but I would assume that being a sole parent to three young children in the early 1940s would put a crunch on the pocketbook. So I'm betting she was a, a prostitute, is my guess. Gotta make that money, man. Make that cheddar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah why, he would come that home. Stacks. He would come home like, how could you do this? It was like, bitch, you weren't in the shipyard at the time, were you? Like, Fucking <laughs> ramen. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure ramen was around back then. So, uh, yeah, the, when they got home after this little incident, Vesta twisted Carol's arms and beat him, making him swear that he would not disclose her rendezvous. Now, this happened many times, each time ending with Carol being beaten into silence by his mother. Now, Good if, start to life. Now, if he's five, why are you even talking to him about that shit? Just be like, hey, we were talking about stuff. We were talking about Christmas presents. 
and you can't say nothing or say no, get mad. Say that. Be like, you don't, you do not tell anybody, including your father, that I was getting Eiffel Tower back there. <laughs> He's five. She's Make probably up some shit. not saying all of that. She's probably saying, don't tell him we were there with all these men. I hope so. At age seven in 1945, Carol still hadn't started school. So he's seven, still not in school. You know, my earliest memory, I can't remember how old I was, but when I officially logged in, my conscience Mm -hmm. logged in, I was holding my poop. Wow. I think I was about five. Why were you holding your poop? I don't know. Like I said, I just got switched on. Hmm. So the ether of toddlerhood must have thought it was a really good idea. And then... (laughs) And then, Five is not toddlerhood. And then it was like somebody hit that little recessed button in me that says reset. And then I turned on. I was like, what am I doing? <laughs> hey, mom. <laughs> <laughs> That's so weird. Yeah. I don't remember ever holding my poop. But that's probably why Billy makes a lot of poop and fart jokes. Maybe. Yeah. <gasps> you cracked the code. Yep. That's what it is. So, when Laverne returned from the war that year, Vesta's trysts had to stop, as well as the beatings, because, you know, don't want the dad to see, though she did continue to emotionally abuse and discipline Carol for even the smallest infractions. Carol was finally enrolled in school, probably because the dad was like, why the fuck isn't he in school? And uh, he quickly began getting teased for his name being a quote-unquote girl's name, of course, often leaving him in tears. Aw, that sucks. My maiden name was Hart. I grew up with Erica Fart. There you go. I was called Bitch. (laughs) Bitch. And then when I went to school. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so we've all got our things. There's always a way to make fun of people. But he took this to heart and he ended up crying a lot and feeling left out. he, He took it to fart. He took it to fart. That's right. F-E-A-R-T, fart. Carol later said, quote, The kids made quite a thing of taunting me. I felt the animosity withdrawing more and more into myself, end quote. Now, at some point that year, he was at his home, hiding under his front porch with the family puppy. Now, it's not clear if he was hiding to get away from his mother or his peers, or if he was just playing under the porch, but he was down there with the puppy. And he blacked out, and when he came to he realized he had strangled the puppy. He was seven when this happened. Yeah. Um, This is a bad thriller horror story (laughs) beginning. (laughs) Damien. (laughs) Yeah, this makes me think of, uh, what is it, of Mice and Men? Is it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it makes me think of that. Yeah. Oh, the soft puppies just squeeze them and love them and... Instead of feeling horrified about what he had done, he felt some kind of strange relief, like a release of his pent-up frustrations. This is when he began fantasizing about doing it again, but replacing the puppy with his mother or any other person who wronged him. Because seven years old is when you should be fantasizing about killing people like you just did your puppy. Yeah. And and revenge. Mm-hmm. That's a young age. Yeah. But it's like, you know what? You already strangled a puppy. You already dipped your toe. Mm-hmm. You already dipped your toe in the water. Yep. That's that's what happened. Might that's well when he turned a corner. Yep. Carol continued to be taunted about his name, especially by one boy who Carol would later call, quote, an ass from school named Dwayne, end quote. Fucking Dwayne. Yeah. Fuck you, Dwayne. Goddamn Dwayne. In the summer of 1946, when he was eight... Carol, his brother, and a group of boys went to the Yacht Harbor in Richmond to go swimming. Ooh. Dwayne was in this group and didn't waste any time digging into Carol about his quote-unquote girl's name. Carol's rage began to build up. This is when he would commit his first murder at age eight. I think that's the youngest one we've ever had. (laughs) So far. The two were off a distance from the other boys in the group. After teasing Carol, Dwayne plugged his nose and jumped off a log into the water near where Carol was. Carol tracked Dwayne's location in the water by following the bubbles as they came up to the surface. Can I tell you, I do that still. What? I gotta plug my nose. (laughs) When I jump in water. Not if I go under. 
But my first initial, if I have to jump from the side or something Mm -hmm. like that, I have to hold my nose. Or if I'm on a water slide, I have to hold my nose. But if I'm in the water and I just go under, I don't need to. Mm -hmm. I'm a big, I'm I'm a growing boy. Mm -hmm. You're a man. I'm a man. You're a man. (laughs) So, yeah, Carol tracked his location in the water following the bubbles. And before Dwayne could come up for air, Carol locked his legs around Dwayne's neck and braced himself against a log with his hands, holding Dwayne under the water. That's what you get for talking shit. Actually, no, you don't deserve to die. Yeah. Quote, I held him under till I knew he was dead, and when I let him go, he sank, end quote, Carol would later say. Quote, there was no remorse about Dwayne. I hated him, and I was glad I stood up for myself, end quote. Well, I'm glad some, I'm glad he stood up for himself, but not in this way. Yeah, exactly. This murder was not just the first for Carol, but it was the first of many that would be declared accidental, allowing Carol to keep killing for decades undetected. Times. Game on. Game on. But after Dwayne, Carol was very anxious about getting caught, of course, so it would be a very long time before he would strike out again to this extent. be a long time before that boy goes back out with a fake ID, tell you what. <laughs> True. <laughs> I think I scared somebody straight. <laughs> but his frustrations were only settled for a short period of time, like we mentioned in the last episode about serial killers scratching that itch. He was still being berated by his peers and his mother. Quote, If I thought my life was going to improve, I was sadly mistaken, neither at home or at school. I was getting meaner and meaner, fighting all the time in a way to hurt or maim, and my thoughts were not the ideas of an innocent child, believe me. End quote. It's a damn shame it took him growing up and becoming a man to realize that. Yeah. <laughs> all those deaths later on like in life, he's like, yeah, I was kind of a dick. Mm-hmm. Mm, man, if I can go back, I'd probably still do it. But yep. I, I see. I see. <laughs> Carol's behaviors got worse over time, and his schoolwork slipped to D averages. But an IQ test that he took in February of 1953, so he was age 15 at that time, scored him at 152, a genius level. But this genius began drinking heavily and robbing liquor stores and eventually dropped out of high school in his junior year. Now that's dumb. What's dumb? Dropping out of school or robbing liquor stores? Yes. (laughs) He worked at a factory briefly before joining the Navy in February of 1957. Now, Wikipedia says Army, but I'm pretty sure it's the Navy. And you'll see why here in a second. Um, But his enlistment didn't turn out very well due to his drinking and theft of government property. He evidently tried to steal some pistols, which is a big no-no when you're in the military. They frown on Mm -hmm. that. They don't like that. They're like, hey man, knock it off. And he was sent to the brig, which is a military prison on a military vessel, so that's why I'm... Going with the Navy, because he wouldn't have been sent to the brig if he was in the Army. No, he just going to jail. Yeah. But then when he was hit with an arrest warrant for suspicion of burglary and auto theft in San Diego, the Navy finally discharged him under a bad conduct discharge on October 4th, 1958. Yeah, see, San Diego makes me think of Coast, makes me think Navy. Mm-hmm. Was, I exactly. I think it was Navy. And he was already in, Flor- or in California when he enlisted, so... Or if there's... Any devil dogs out there, maybe he was a Marine. Marine's a department of the Navy. Maybe they might have had a camp there. The only two I saw were Army and Navy, so I'm going to go with Navy. Okay. So, uh, yeah, he didn't even last two years in the military. Because I think the Marines still refer to things in nautical terms. Uh, Like, we have dining facility, they have the galley. Mm -hmm. I think they refer to it as a galley. We have um, a marching surface, but they call it the deck. Mm -hmm. Um, Brig, we say latrine, they call it the head. They both do. So I think the Marines have a lot of terminology that's also Navy. Yeah. So Because they they originally started as a, a part of the Navy. They right? are. They, they yeah. are right now. Uh, the Marines is a department of the Navy. So he could have very well been a Marine. Yeah. That could have been possible, too. I, I, did I tell you I spoke to a Marine when I was training? Long time ago. Long time ago when I was still in training. And you've talked to a lot of Marines. Oh, yeah. I've worked with a lot. A lot of great men mm-hmm. and women. They're, they're amazing. And... Um, but one of them was so shocked. Actually, it was when I was in Iraq because he, he was like, so where are you stationed? I said, Fort Carson. He said, where's that? He said, where's that? I said, Colorado. And he was like, what? <laughs> and I said, Colo- Colorado. It's a state. Ma- mountains, buddy. Mm-hmm. A whole bunch of beautiful. them. Beautiful. So beautiful. And um, he was like, wait, you have bases in the country? And I said, 
Yeah, usually. All over. Usually where there's an American flag, like the one on my arm. <laughs> uh, we have those in the country. I said, where do you think I would be? He said, the coast. I he said, really thought all yes. the bases were on the coast. Well, he was a Marine. He didn't know about the Army. He didn't know about Air Force. He thought, I mean, he, to him, it's Army, it's, it's Marines and Navy. He like, he didn't know, nobody told him any different. So I don't blame him for his way of thinking. Because to him, it's the bases need to be on the outside of the country to protect the country. Mm-hmm. That's along how, the border. Yeah, along the borders and stuff. That's where he thought they needed to be. So he was that blew his mind. Like he hmm. was fucked up for like a day and a half. <laughs> like he wasn't right for a couple like you know like that first guy that ever heard a parrot talk? <laughs> he was like that. Like he wasn't okay for a while and it took him some time to really wrap his head around that shit. First guy that heard a parrot talk. <laughs> you know that fucked him up. <laughs> but like I, I I guarantee you, like as soon as we got in with our guard shift, he found somebody else that was in an army uniform and was like, Where are you where are you stationed? Kentucky. What? <laughs> Where are you? Hawaii. Okay, that makes sense. Okay. What about you? Uh, uh, New York. Okay, sure, sure. What about you? Texas. What? (laughs) (laughs) I can see that really bothering him. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm, That's all right. So now Carol was 20, kicked out of the military, and back at his parents' home where his mother could berate him some more over this newest failure. Uh, You know, if you ask me, I think mom's asking for it. Yeah. I mean, maybe. I didn't read ahead or nothing. I don't know what's going to happen, but I think Mom should probably shut what they call the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're, you're really, you're, you're, you're putting gasoline on a fire. Like, mm-hmm. you know, he's a powder keg and you should probably run away. Yeah. You could tell when you, when you, when you, you know, remember when he was like a kid and then like you went outside and you're like, why does my porch stink? That's because there's a fucking dead strangled dog underneath there that your kid, you, you should probably, mm-hmm. you have a problem child right now. <laughs> Well, Carol worked odd jobs and had some minor arrests, all the while his rage building up. It came to a head on the night of June 1st, 1960. Two couples were in a parked car on a lover's lane. Carol attacked them with a hammer. So I have to wonder if he was just like strolling around with a hammer trying to find someone to attack. Or if he was driving around and just happened to have a hammer with him. And he thought, hey, I've got an idea. And went up and attacked them like... God, what I, preceded this attack with a hammer? Well, maybe he just grabbed a hammer and was like, first motherfucker, I see. Yeah. I'm going to tune him up. I, you know, this is why I can't be a cop. I have too much of a goofy, stupid sense of humor. I'm like, I'm sorry about your, your daughter, ma'am. How, how did she die? She got hammered. Up top. <laughs> and I'm like, ooh, this isn't. this isn't the right time. Well, as strange as this was, no one was killed. He was caught and convicted of assault with a deadly weapon on June 28th. He was only sentenced to, quote, 30 days on the county work farm, end quote, whatever that means. So get to work out there on the county farm. Make little rocks out of big rocks. So I'm assuming no one was seriously injured since he received such a license, but it was a hammer attack. It was hammer time. Please hammer, don't hurt him. Yeah. (laughs) It was hammer time. (laughs) God, what if like one of the odd one of the odd jobs he got fired from was construction, and he got fired because he couldn't hit the nail, <laughs> and that was the whole, the whole the whole attack was like he didn't hit he didn't hit anybody. He was just so horrible with a fucking hammer. <laughs> he beat the shit out of that car. Maybe maybe that's why he had a hammer. He was like, I'm gonna get this. I'm gonna get this. I'm gonna find a nail and I'm gonna hit the shit out of it. And then he saw them. He was like, Fuck it, it's Tuesday. And then he just went up and started fucking swinging. <laughs> He kept swinging, officer. He kept swinging, saying, I'm a man. I'm a man. I don't know what that was about. <laughs> Met a chick named Michael one time. I have two. And a dude named Courtney. So I mm. have two. I used to work with a oh, really? Courtney and a Michael at the same place. Yeah. I met a guy named Courtney in Ohio. Yep. My very first job at Burger King, I had a male named Courtney and a female named Michael. Ohio sucked. Nothing against Ohio. I like Ohio. But the whole time around... There's a reason why so many astronauts are from Ohio. They want to get away. They want to get out of Ohio. Yeah. But I remember we were only there for like a year and a half, right? And the whole time we were like asking mom, like mom and dad, like, hey, can we go to Cedar Point? Can we go to Kings Island? They're like, no, we're not going to go. We're not going to go. And then we moved back here to Indiana. The next summer was like, hey, we're going to Kings Island next weekend. We're like, what the fuck? We were there. (laughs) We could have just went. Yeah. Stupid. (laughs) 
All right, so he beat these people with a hammer, sentenced to the county work farm. Life goes on. And in January of 1961... You made it sound so nonchalant. Yep. To him, it was. He attacked people with a hammer, went to the work farm. You know, that old chestnut. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, to him it was. If I, was wheels, if I had wheels, I'd be a wagon. You know, <laughs> In January of 1961, Carol flagged down a patrolman driving by and spilled his guts, telling the officer about his fantasies about raping and strangling women. Now, as horrible as that would be... It's technically not criminal. You didn't commit a crime. You can't, you can't, you can't get arrested for having bad thoughts. Yeah. I've had three in the past, like, two seconds. Yeah, if... If someone tells police that they want to rape and kill people, they should automatically just be sent for an involuntary cuckoo house stay, in my opinion, because you need to work on that shit. But it's technically not a crime, so you can't arrest them. But I I personally think that they should be held at least for a Mm 72-hour evaluation. So this cop who couldn't arrest him only suggested that Carol seek help at the mental hospital, which amazingly... Carol did. He checked himself into the Napa State Hospital on February 2nd for a 90-day observation and treatment, which is rare. He's seeking help and actually went to get the help. That's good. I mean... Of course it doesn't work or we wouldn't have this episode, but... Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure it went south. (laughs) But, like, that's good. He Mm -hmm. acknowledged it and went to do something about it. You know what you made me think of, though? Is this cool docuseries called uh, Bob's Burgers. And... (laughs) There's this one episode, I don't know if you remember the guy drive. I don't know if you guys love Bob's Burgers as much as I do. It's great. It's great. It's not quite the adventures of Gumball. That's a sect. We could do an episode on Gumball, which is by itself. It's amazing. So he gets run off. There's a Christmas episode. He gets run off the road by a truck driver, and the truck is in the shape of a candy cane. Mm-hmm. And he goes to a diner because Linda wants to get a Dutch baby. Not black market. It's a thing you cook. And <laughs> um, there was a state trooper there, and he like turned around in, the, in his in his booth it was like excuse me officer i'd like to report a possible crime and he's like explaining it and you can see the cop he's just like he's trying to eat his dutch baby that was a weird sentence he's, <laughs> he's eating and he just put the thing he put everything down and went are any of you injured he's like um no he's like so you want to tell me you made a guy mad and he and you're mad at him yes He's like, he was like, the cop was so over, like he was just trying to eat and he was just like, <sighs> that's what made me think. like, officer, officer, I'm thinking about raping and murdering women. And he was like, <sighs> have you? Did you? <laughs> no, but I'm thinking about it. <sighs> okay. Go to the mental house. I can talk to a guy. Um... Okay. You see this? What I got? It's a badge, gun, nightstick, shiny shoes. What you want... Not a PhD. What you want is button-up shirt, khakis, white coat, stethoscope. You want one of them. <laughs> and if you turn around, go two blocks south, hang a Louie, you're going to find a bunch. <laughs> and then just, you know what? Tell them what you told me. And if you could, fuck out of my face. Try to get tacos. I don't even know if they had tacos back then in California. I don't know if that was like a street food thing, but I want tacos. You always want tacos. God, I love tacos. So, Carol knew he needed help, but for some reason he could not bring himself to tell the whole truth while committed. He said he had a happy childhood, talking... Well, he told the truth to the fucking cop. Yeah, well, he was truthful about that, but not about, like, what got him to that point. You know, this is where you would need to tell the truth. People can think. Because professionals can piece this shit together. If not, oh, I had a happy childhood. Oh, man, we would vacation and, and... we're poor. I don't know where you vacation. <laughs> we we would spend summers in the good place. I don't know. I don't know where it is. <laughs> the good place. Those places where people go and they have sweaters, but they're tied around their necks. You know, one of those places is nice. And then, like, daughter's <laughs> like, "Well, then you're just certifiably fucking something's wrong, chemically wrong with you." Like, oh, my mom used to beat the brakes off my ass in between gangbangs. Yeah. You're like, oh, I see. Mm-hmm. I probably be a psycho too yeah he he did not tell them that he actually was talking quote about both of his parents in rather glowing terms end quote and he definitely didn't mention Dwayne. you know the boy he killed when he was eight fucking Dwayne didn't leave that one in there but he did talk about his disturbing fantasies 
When staff discussed Carol's case at the end of his stay, this is what psychiatrist Dr. L.M. Jones noted. Quote, It was felt by some that he was possible sexual psychopath, potentially dangerous to the community. Staff made a diagnosis of antisocial sociopathic personality disturbance on March 21st and recommended that he be discharged, not suitable, not mentally ill, and recommended that he apply for outside psychiatric treatment or voluntary admission to a Tascadero State Hospital because of his sadistic, abnormal sexual tendencies, end quote. Now, I know we can't lock people up simply for thoughts that they have. If we did that, like Billy said, most of the world would be imprisoned, which is why they could only suggest that he voluntarily commit himself to Atascadero, which is a maximum security psych hospital for convicted felons. But seriously, what do we do with people like this? Someone that medical professionals feel is a real threat to others. Do we need to give them a handler like celebrities that are prone to bad choices have? I mean, we literally have to wait until they do the thing that we're pretty sure that they were going to do before we can lock them up. And then when they do it, most of the victim's families are like, how come nobody saw this? Yeah, it's that gray area of protecting the community versus protecting the person's civil rights. That's a whole to-do. That's a whole different kettle of fish right there. I, I digress. So, uh, Carol was released from Napa on March 25th, 1961, so he's almost 23 at this point. He was sentenced to six months for an auto theft after his release and began asking for psychiatric help again while in jail starting around July. A judge signed a committal order on October 6th, and Carol was sent to Atascadero State Hospital just 10 days later. But the doctors there found his test results, quote, Very puzzling and contradictory, end quote. Dr. Irwin Hart described Carol as, quote, a very passive dependent person with a facade of independence and confusion concerning sexual identification, end quote. So he's like, hmm, he acts like he knows what he's doing, but he's really confused about shit. Mm -hmm. Carol was transferred to Stockton State Hospital the next year in September for further testing. One of the doctors that saw him there, Dr. I.I. Weiss, noted that, quote, He seems to be afraid of the female figure and cannot have intercourse with her first, but must kill her before he can do it, end quote. Ick. So, even though he hasn't done this yet, the doctor's saying, this is what's going to happen. He diagnosed Carol with, quote, schizophrenic reaction, chronic, undifferentiated type, end quote, but released him on April 19th, 1963, on a quote-unquote indefinite leave. So, he's schizophrenic. We think he's going to kill women and then rape their bodies. We're going to let him go. Yeah. The cheese done slid off his cracker. (laughs) But what can we do? So get your belongings at the door and be sure to get on the bus. Public bus, by the way. Really get back into society. (laughs) Really just just jump on in. You'll be fine. Or you won't. Speaking of buses... During this time, Carol's brother Richard had moved to Dallas, Texas with his wife, and the family thought maybe a change of scenery was what Carol needed, so he got on a bus in May to join his brother in Texas. Carol later said that Richard, quote, spent the next few weeks showing me Dallas through bar and tavern windows, end quote, which I'm sure is exactly what he needed to be around liquor and drunk vulnerable women, and in July he attempted to strangle a woman that he met in one of the bars. Blacked out. She got away and he attempted to commit suicide by downing a bunch of pills. He went back to a psych ward for this for a whopping four days. Surely that fixed him, right? Four days? Yeah. Cured. That's sufficient. Yeah. 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 Uh, What's it? Uh, uh, Clean bill of health. Tell you what. Mm -hmm. And really good at taking pills. Mm -hmm. So if you you diagnose him and you take medication, he's on it. Well, soon after this, he met Neville Billy Whitworth, an alcoholic stripper, and it was a match made in crazy. Mm. He described her as, quote, neurotic and unstable, just like me, end quote. And they began a violent, codependent relationship that led to the altar in November of 1963, just months after they met. Fun fact, her part-time employer was one Jack Ruby, 
The nightclub owner who shot and killed Lee Harvey Oswald, the man suspected of assassinating President John F. Kennedy. So she worked for Jack Ruby. Do you know Jack Ruby used to kick it here in Muncie? Really? Downtown. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He would go on political rants outside of Pizzoli's, Pizzoli's Jewelers. Pizzoli's. Pizzoli's Jewelers. Mm-hmm. I believe Pizzoli's is uh, Jewish. Maybe. And I don't know. I've never been there. Well, that's what he was talking about. About and Jews? Ranting and raving about Jewish people in Israel and whatever the fuck. And, 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 wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yep. Uh, so we had Jack Ruby here. We had, um, oh God, what's his name? Dillinger. Dillinger. Um, he never robbed here. He said he wouldn't. He wouldn't rob here. He wouldn't rob Anderson because of the trains. Uh-huh. Too many trains. He said if that he, is true. Yeah, his, we have way us way and Anderson. Too many. Anderson for sure. Yeah, there's uh, Anderson is all one ways and train yeah, tracks. All train tracks. So if you were to rob a bank, you wouldn't make it out. Yeah, you would never make it out. You'd get caught by a train. When I worked there, I couldn't tell you how many times I got stopped by a train. Oh sure. And what's crazy is like in, in Muncie, like if you get caught by a train, and you try to detour. By the time you get to that detour, mm-hmm. that train's cutting you off. Yep. So you just better off just. Just deal with it. Sit there and deal with it. Mm-hmm. And then we have David Letterman, mm-hmm. uh, Bob Ross. Mm-hmm. You, you, we used to live in Bob Ross's house. The guy that made Carfield? Jim Davis. Mm-hmm. Oh, and um, Armed and Famous. Yes. Great docuseries. Didn't last that long. only lasted about six episodes. Yeah. Where they took celebrities and made them cops here in Muncie. I got to see What's-His-Face. Who? Eric Estrada? Oh, no, 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 no. But Eric Estrada kept Jack coming. Jack Osborne? Jack Osborne. Yeah. Saw mm-hmm. him. Down at, my, at the South Madison store when I, when I managed there. Mm-hmm. There was a whole TV crew. I, apparently, there was an arrest or something that was on the show that was nearby. And it was him getting out saying, you know, like, oh, this is where, this is where we had an instance and I had to lay down the law a bit. <laughs> you know, he had to do that stuff, you know. And there was a whole crew around him and everything. I don't know if you can find clips of it online, but... Yeah, that's Muncie. But yeah, Eric Estrada. Who who else did they have on that show? They LaToya. had Wee Man, Latoya Jackson, Eric Estrada, Jack Osborne. I think some chick from WWE. Maybe. I, mean, I can't remember. Blonde. Her. I think she was a blonde. No, yeah. or maybe the cop was a blonde. So I remember they went to Texas Roadhouse and Latoya wouldn't eat unless they took napkins and laid it on top of yeah, the table. Yeah, and gave her finger had... bowls to like clean her fingers yeah. in. And... Yeah. Yeah. Check out Armed and Famous. But uh, Eric Estrada, he kept coming back to Muncie to renew. Mm-hmm. So he stayed a police officer. Yeah. All of them were police officers. They were. Uh, but they let their licensing run out, except Eric Estrada. And he actually went on. He is now a cop right now in real life. Really? Not in Indiana. I don't know if he's in Indiana, but not in Muncie. But he is a um, full-fledged officer. Wow. Yes. And he said that was, I guess when he did chips, that was his dream was to actually be a cop. And he just went and fucking did Hats off. Yeah. He just went and fucking did it. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> Fuck acting. I'm going to catch bad guys. He was a good actor. I liked him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The thing that got me, though, is that one episode where they do call Eric Estrada a motherfucker. Don't you talk about my mother. It's like, that's not what he was talking. That's a yeah. saying. Like, how did that even, how did you even confuse that? Mm-hmm. You don't talk about my mother. You know, I don't fuck mothers or I don't. He got like really angry about it. Yeah. It's like, motherfucker is a, just a saying. Yeah. You know, it's like, you say, God damn it. You can't be like, you don't speak for the Lord. No, I'm just saying, it's God damn it. Like, oh, on. God damn it. God damn it. <laughs> God damn it, you motherfucker. <laughs> okay, go ahead. All right. So, yeah, Carol went to Texas and uh, started trying to strangle people and then tried to kill himself. Jack Ruby. Yep, Jack Ruby went to the psych ward four days. That just ties up all that together for you. So, uh, yeah, he got married to this Billy Whitworth. Hi. And Carol, the man with the girl's name, and Billy, the woman with the guy's name, fueled their marriage with alcohol, jealousy, and violence. Ah, beautiful, right? Yeah. Yeah. And cotton candy, little known fact. Mm Mm-hmm. They love cotton candy. Many arrests were made on both for drunkenness and domestic violence, and Carol's paranoia and jealousy boiled over in August of 1965. The couple was living at a motel, you know, the place where you live when you're in a stable relationship, and Carol began suspecting Billy of prostituting herself at the motel. Their home, their casa, their domicile. How dare she commit these violations of their sacred vows right where they live. Mm. So Carol's answer to this was to set the motel on fire. I burn this motherfucker to the ground. (laughs) 
That'll fix everything. This is cursed grounds. Nobody can ever live here again. (laughs) He was indicted for arson on August 19th and convicted the following March to two years in prison. He did nine months and was released on January 5th, 1967. So he was in his late 20s, an alcoholic and a horrible marriage, fresh out of prison and with nowhere to go, you know, because he burned his home down. He started drifting and not like Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift. I know, just that, I, like, know, I know that's what you were thinking. Yeah. But no. No, he just like moved around a lot because he was drifting from place to place. I don't know why, but I could just picture, I could picture him walking and the soundtrack of his life is the opening title to Hill Street Blues. Hmm. Yeah. That's what you picture? Just sad. Yeah. Sad and cold. Dead puppies everywhere. <laughs> Dead puppies everywhere. <laughs> Now, just three months later, he was fined $20 in Oklahoma City for, quote, vagrancy by pimping, end quote. He's a pimp. So, I guess he ended up on the opposite side of what he thought his wife had been doing, which is kind of ironic. But just a month later, things took a much darker turn in Lake Ozark, Missouri. He crept into the bedroom of an 11-year-old girl and tried to strangle her in her sleep. Luckily, she was able to scream out before he could cut off her breathing, summoning help. He was caught and faced 10 years in prison on a felony charge of, quote, assault with intent to ravish, which I kept reading as intent to radish, which would be quite comical. Day drinker, (laughs) I believe that I'm gonna puke tonight. (laughs) Uh, Intent to radish and just chuck them at him. Just take that. Fucking radish. Sprinkle you on my greens, bitch. Mm-hmm. So, uh, he ended up pleading to a lesser charge of assault with intent to kill, which sounds much worse sounds than the worse. original charge to me. <laughs> intent to kill and intent to ravish. They, they, they're not on the same plane. You know, to me, when I think ravish is not radish, but radish. it involves food. Mm-hmm. That's what I think of. Yeah. You really enjoy You're a meal ravenous. and you ravish that dish. You do you you eat all of it and then you ask if the guy next to you if he's going to eat his and he's like, "Why are you at my table? I don't know you." And you're like, <laughs> "I want that burger." And he's like, "I'm still eating it." And then you're like, "I got a gun." He's like, "Cops." <laughs> you know. <laughs> that thing. Ravish. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what happens. Read a book, guys. That's why we can't go out in public anymore. Yep. <laughs> I got so many looks cuz I went to Elm Street and not what, nightmare on elm street no but a brewery yeah it took nugget and he went and shut up about it he's like you know what would make this place really cool i said what's that sweetie you put freddy on the walls <laughs> buddy it's, it's not... <laughs> anyway um so i went out with my sister and my brother-in-law and they're like can we start out with something to drink yeah we have a whole they have they have so many beers there they have beers that they make. It is a brewery. Yeah, they have beers that they make, and then they have beers on tap and cans. and all, They have so many beers. And I think about, at any given time, you can find about 200 different beers. And uh, I was like, yes, I'll have, um, <laughs> no, it was taking the meal. I was like, yes, I'll, I'll have the uh, petite sirloin medium with the sautéed mushroom um, green beans, the homemade fries, and your four mac and cheese bowl. And uh, to drink, I'd like unicorn farts. <laughs> and so many people from other tables turned and looked. And I was like, it's good. It sparkles. It's good. It's a glittery <laughs> beer. It's so good. It is so good. It is pretty good. <laughs> Not even like beer, but that's pretty good. So, yeah, he pled to this lesser charge of assault with intent to kill. Which sounds worse. So in the law books, I'm wondering, what does ravish mean? It must mean something horrible compared yeah. to kill. I don't know. But he was sentenced to only five years. He was paroled after just three years on May 1st, 1970, for trying to strangle a 10-year-old girl to death. Three years. I have so many problems with this. Yeah. <laughs> and three years behind bars didn't help his mental problems. He later stated, quote, If anything... I was worse, end quote. He continued to drift around, Tokyo Drift style, back to San Diego for a while, and then to Reno, Nevada. He tried again to strangle two different women that he met at bars, but both were able to escape. He's not very good at strangling. Not yet. Oh, okay. And once again, 
he went to the police, telling the Reno police about his sadistic urges to kill women. They detained him on a disorderly conduct charge and committed him to the state hospital in Sparks, Nevada, four days later. He was seen by Dr. Felix Peebles, finally a doctor without initials. Yeah. And he diagnosed Carol with having an, quote, antisocial personality with alcoholism with compulsion to strangle and rape pretty females, end quote. Not just females in general, pretty females. He's specific about pretty females, yeah, which is weird. odd. <laughs> On October 13th, Dr. Peebles changed his description of Carol, noting that he was, quote, a highly manipulative young man who is utilizing his difficulties with the law in the past and his threats of violence upon others to find shelter when he is out of funds or ways to get what he wants, end quote. Ah. So he basically said Carol is bullshitting everyone by making these fantasies up and pretending to be a threat to society just so he could have a roof over his head. Dr. Peebles should probably not be a doctor anymore. Uh, Dr. Peebles released him, putting him on a bus back to California so he could be someone else's problem. Yeah. He's a real winner, Wash Dr. Peebles. Wash his hands of him. Carol juggled odd jobs again and welfare and some disability for his mental issues. He started to train as a nurse's aide, but was actually appalled by what he saw. A man that wants to strangle women to death was upset about the treatment of patients that he saw were neglectful or abusive. He later wrote, quote, Have you ever seen a patient eaten up with bed sores because someone didn't care enough to do their job? And the verbal abuse was something else. I often thought of waylaying one of those nurses in the parking lot, killing her for the old folks. But unfortunately, our classes were in the daytime, end quote. So there's this weird concern and defensiveness of the patients while still wanting to kill the women that were taking care of them. <laughs> she let her get bed sores and I wanted to strangle that bitch so bad. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh. I've been appalled by this kind of treatment and neglect that I've witnessed in several places that I've worked. And I wanted to smack a bitch or two. Because fucking take care of them. That's your job. It's your job. No matter what they do, what they've done. And you're a human being. Yeah. Your your job is to make them healthy and heal them. So fucking do it. And people say that a lot about women. Women have a need to nurture. But I think that's just a human need. Mm-hmm. Even men. We, we, we have a need to, to take care of. Or fellow human beings. And some people are just fucking assholes. Mm-hmm. And I know I can be a bitch sometimes, but I'm going to take care of people the best that I can. So that's my job. That's what I took an oath to do. I don't think it's, just, I don't think it's that you're a bitch. I think some of your coworkers think you're a bitch because you don't sugarcoat. Mm-hmm. And you're not abrasive, but you're stern. Mm-hmm. You're hard and fair. But and a people, lot of places don't want that. And people they say, want you to smile and nod mm-hmm. and tend to every whim and need that they may have. Sometimes that's not feasible. Yeah. I'm not talking about I'm talking about just other people you work mm-hmm. with that where they're just like, Oh, she's such an asshole. It was like, Oh, really? Because she does her job. She charts everything correctly. She she annotates everything down. Yeah, I'm not talking to you because I'm working. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not here to socialize. I'm here to work. Yeah. <laughs> And that's why I tell most of my employees, I'm like, hey, man, you know, the other employees, they don't sign your paycheck. You're not paid to be their friend. You're paid to do your job. Mm-hmm. Do your fucking job. Be done with it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, yeah, I've seen this. I've witnessed it. And I've wanted to smack some bitches over it, male and female. But I don't walk around wanting to strangle people or kill them in the parking lot. But it would be better in a parking garage because there's more shadows and cover. Just saying. She doesn't watch documentaries. That's for fucking sure. Uh-uh. Well, this rage continued to build up in Carol, and his stays at the psych hospitals didn't help at all. He later wrote, quote, My urges were stronger than ever, but I wasn't concerned about it anymore. I just said, to hell with it, and waited to see what would happen, end quote. So is that guy he gave in? Pretty much. And it's pretty much what everyone else has said. We just have to wait and see. That's... We can't do anything because we have no proof that he's done anything. He's just saying he wants to. So let's just wait and see. And then they're like, yep, mm-hmm. he's crazy. 
Something did happen on May 7th, 1971. Which is why we're here. Exactly. Dark, twisted woman, you. (laughs) He met a woman in San Diego in a tavern. Steve. Travis. What? Earl. No. Her name was Essie Buck. Essie? Essie. E-S-S-I-E. Essie Buck. Am I the only one that thinks that's the name of a horse? Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does not sound like someone who would be living in San Diego. No. I'll just say that. And it does not sound like the name of a racehorse. Racehorses are different. Racehorses, they they had the weirdest fucking names in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like, I got all my money on. I turn on my fan at night to keep my feet cold. <laughs> He's going to win. Yep. Going to win it all. So, after drinking for a while, the two ended up in Carol's. <laughs> they drank? At a tavern? What? what? Crazy. That's crazy talk. Yeah. They ended up in Carol's car where he strangled her. And this time, he was successful. Probably because she was pretty drunk at the time. He put her in his trunk and left her there overnight. The next morning, quote, I felt nothing. Not elation, guilt, or any of the feelings thought to appease someone like me. Just cold nothing. End quote. That's, that's actually, that's scary. That's, that's actually scary. Yeah. He didn't feel a thing about it. What's what's scary about it is he's acknowledging it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I know that when a person kills another person, they're supposed to feel bad. I didn't. I was uh, actually fully expecting that. I was ready. And darn it. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Nope. Didn't didn't hit me with the, the feel bads. I even tried to push it. I listened to sad songs. Mm-hmm. Made me think of my dad. Mm-hmm. And nothing. Yep. And now I don't like my dad. Or <laughs> <laughs> somebody hearing that would be like, wow, dude, you're kind of a monster. Well, he ended up driving around for two days with the body in the trunk before disposing of it on May 9th, his 33rd birthday. And that's where we will pick back up on the next episode. Sorry, guys, I thought I'd have this all crammed into one episode. But once I started writing and realized how nutso this guy is... I really wanted to include all the crazy stuff that led up to his real murder streak. So be sure to catch part two in two weeks because there will be a lot of murder, which is kind of important seeing as we are on a network called Murderly. And speaking of, you can find all of our episodes and some other really great true crime podcasts on our network website. It's murder.ly, no.com. Be sure to give it a looky-loo and show the other podcast on there some love. And thanks for listening to our podcast, of course. Hey, man, you guys are great. If you liked what you heard, please get on iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and a review. This is one of the best ways to help us and anywhere that you can find a place to leave a rating and a review or, um, you know, just get the word out, share all the love. That would be great. Helps and us, helps us grow. What would be really cool is that the review you left was good. Is good. Yeah. If, if, like if you talk, if you talk about us in a favorable light, I'll be yeah. like, oh, cool. Yeah. Oh, and thank you to everybody who reached out uh, reached out to us about um, our son. Yeah. Um, and to I mean, if there's anything you want to talk about about any subject at all, you can just find us on martinezandmacabre gmail uh, I believe there's a contact page at martinezandmacabre dot com, and um, you can actually direct message us uh, on Facebook. That's a uh, martinez and macabre or friends who like martinez and macabre. Mm-hmm. Um, usually, if you send a message, it'll be me replying. Um, I think it shows up as Martinez and the Macabre replying. 99% of the time, it's me replying to you. Mm-hmm. So just know that when you ask a question, you're talking to Snuggle Bunny, mm-hmm. not Erica Go. Erica <laughs> Go is usually at work. Um, and I'm going to try to get on Twitter more. But I'm not really on Twitter a whole lot. Well, all of our stuff on Facebook transfers to Twitter, Twitter automatically. You said Twigger. Twigger. And every once in a while, like once every fiscal quarter, I remember that we have an Instagram. I don't even know what the Instagram page is. Yeah. It's Martinis and the Cobb. Oh. So there's that. Yep. We do that sometimes. Not really. But it's there. Cool. It's there. I know, I know Cold of Domesticity likes to tag us a lot on Instagram. So Aww. we definitely need to get with her at some point about yes. that. Yeah, we need to get with Kirsten. Yes. Get her on an episode. If you would like to be a real baller and financially support the show, please go to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash martinis the macabre and make oh! a pledge. Oh, I did it. He did it. I did it. I made the paracord ribbons. 
Um, I did. I could not find my fids. I ordered some more. He did it without fids. I did my with my little snuggle bunny hands, and they hurt because uh, <laughs> I had to use tweezers, had to use pliers, I had to use a lighter to melt to tip down, and I had to use a screwdriver. It was hard. Yes, and uh, I I just mailed all my that stuff fingers out. Were raw. Yeah, we sincerely apologize about the delay, but everyone that signed up before June first, and you haven't gotten your stuff, I mailed all out. It is on the way. You may already have it by the time you hear this. Except for maybe Amelia, since you're in Canada, yours may be a week or two before it gets to you. May take a minute. May take a minute. They said two weeks, but we'll see. But Amelia knows we love her. Yes, and she's got two. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, if you want to be a baller. And like we just got a new one. Yes, we did. But if you want to be a baller like Kirsten, who is our baller, yo. And I promise we will be hitting you up very soon for your intro. Yeah, if you donate even a dollar, it gets you access to the patron-only audio each month and a shout-out on the show. For just a few dollars more, you can get some exclusive goodies like the Snuggle Buddy handmade keychains. Hmm. Once again, thank you to our patrons who, of course, Kirsten, our baller, yo. I promise we will be hitting you up very soon for your intro. Uh, Amelia, Bonnie, Bridget, Caroline, Chelsea, Christina, Cooper, Corina, Corey, Donald, Dylan, Belfast Grace, Hunter, Jennifer, Kate, Christy, Kristen, Lady Danger, Marie Maxime, Molly W., Monica, Sue, and Vanessa. You awesome snuggle bunnies have our undying love. And everyone that signed up, like I said, I've already sent your stuff out. Hopefully you will get it soon, maybe before you even hear this. And if anyone out there would prefer to donate a lump sum, you can make a one-time donation in the amount of your choosing via our PayPal link on our website, martinisandthemacabre.com, near the bottom of the homepage. Like Billy said, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Martinis and the Macabre and on Twitter at Martini underscore Macabre. Be sure to join our fan page on Facebook as well at Friends Who Like Martinis and the Macabre. We love interacting with you guys. Feel free to post whatever you like on the pages and to share our post because sharing our pages, posts, and tweets really helps to get the word out. So please share away. We appreciate it so much. Visit our website, martinisandthemacabre.com to learn a little about us, listen to our complete episode catalog, or to listen to all the songs created by Minimus Noah that we use at the end of each episode. And keep listening because another one will be at the end of this episode. You know, he really goes all out with his music. I mean, just uh, not a couple couple weeks ago, he uh, we had a storm come through. Mm-hmm. And... He wanted to take his laptop and put it on the porch. To record it? To record the sounds. And that's a part of his song. Awesome. Yeah. So he's incorporating just natural sounds. And like the cover of his album, the latest cover of the album that he's working with right now, he went and took a picture of the top of your mom's car. Hmm. Because she has an order car and the paint is cracked. And he took a picture of it. It looks amazing. Wow. I haven't seen that. It's white. And it looks like it's white with an off-white spiderweb. Mm-hmm. Because it's cracked in all these little different places because it's weathered, you know. And I saw that. I was like, fuck, that's not, there's no reflection or nothing. It's just, it's really good. Hmm. It's really amazing. Yeah. And he said um, his new album is about 75% done. So it may be late summer when the next one comes out. So yay. And be sure to check out his first official album release called Views on iTunes, Spotify, and many other music providers. I'm not just saying it because he's our son. For his age, he is super creative. His sounds are very worldly and... Original. Very original. I mean, he records the air outside. He could do a soundtrack for a movie, and it would be amazing. Yeah. So please, check that out. I could see him doing the soundtrack to Fight Club. Yeah. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. For any questions, comments, or topic suggestions, shoot us an email at martinisandthemacabre at gmail.com. And the next time you listen to us, it would have been after our anniversary, and Erica would have received her gift that I have scoured for and paid for, and she's going to fucking love it. And she has told me, why are you getting me a gift? It's not our wedding anniversary. It's our together anniversary. You don't have to give me a gift for a together anniversary. Yeah. Okay, here's my rebuttal and why I'll win this argument is because we wouldn't have a wedding anniversary if it wasn't for this anniversary. True, So, I but would. we don't usually trade gifts for it. Well, we are now. Well, you don't have to get me anything. I got you something, and you're going to love it. I guess. He could have just surprised me with it, but no, he likes to torture me by telling me he has something, and I'm going to love it. And Noah says, he, I'm going to love it. And he says, don't get on Facebook, because I've shared about it, because you're going to love it. Don't spoil it, guys, please. <laughs> so...
So it's going to be one of those gifts where you're going to see it because you know everything. And I'm not being a dick. You kind of know everything when it comes to morbid shit and dark stuff and everything. I have a feeling you'll look at it and go, oh, yeah, this. Or you'll look at it and go, what is this? And then when I say what it is, you'll go, <gasps> it'll be one of those things. Hmm. Yeah. So it has to do with something morbid. has to do with something Erica. <laughs> something Erica go. Yeah, something Erica go. <laughs> All right, guys, so... Yeah, shoot us an email at martinisandmacabre at gmail.com. Use the contact page on the website for any topic suggestions. If you want to send some research our way, if you want to give us some tips on, you know, someone with autism, which we've had several people reach out for, um, we appreciate that greatly. Or if you want a soundbite for a ringtone, mm-hmm. hit us up. <laughs> we'll send one your way. And uh, I think that's it. Once again, thanks so much for listening. Stay safe, snuggle bunnies. We'll see you in two weeks. I love you. He loves you. Bye-bye. Bye. You know, like that first guy that ever heard a parrot talk? <laughs> he was like that. Like, he wasn't okay for a while, and it took him some time to really wrap his head around that shit. First guy that heard a parrot talk. You know, that <laughs> fucked him up.